1: Welcome
2: to CIO Talk Radio with your host, Sanjo Gahl. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Here's Sanjo Gahl.
3: Good morning and welcome to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Today's topic is the cost of business agility, and our guest for today's show is Mike Hugos, who is an author, speaker, and principal at the Center of System Innovation. Good morning, Mike. How are you? Good morning, St. Sanjog. Glad to be here. And uh, you're enjoying the rainy morning in Chicago?
4: I enjoy all mornings whenever I wake up and look out inside and say, wow, a whole new day. wonder what will happen today.
3: Beautiful. Now, that's what we call as a positive attitude. So, with that attitude maintained, let's see if we can do some justice to this topic. So, the premise is that business agility is being uh, touted as the next best thing that an organization can do to get ahead in terms of sustainable growth and profitability. But, Frankly, sometimes we get overzealous with any of such efforts, and, and a lot of companies trying it, perhaps they're ready or not, and they fall flat on their place and, and, and face, and then that's why the whole phenomena earns some bad name. So, what we are trying to find out objectively is that while an organization goes through or, or adopts business agility as a mantra, is there a dark side to it? Is there a cost to it? And what is the true net? value that's get created that gets created through business agility with that said do you think mike the first question i'll, I'll put out there is do you think the business agility does do organization really have a quantifiable uh, measure of what they want to get out of it and 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 then they compare that to what realistically they they really get
4: well i think that a lot of people how can you argue with the notion of being agile yes um, It's just like saying, I want to start working out regularly and eating healthy. Of course, we all say that. Uh, then often what happens is when we do it, as you pointed out, we become overly zealous. You know, the analogy with the working out is we all go to the gym in the first month right after we make our New Year's resolution and we work out vigorously. We get very sore muscles and we decide, Oh, this isn't for me. And then we stop. And the the real, the real tragedy, I think, is that agility is a good thing and yes if you charge into it without really thinking about what you're doing you're going to run into trouble you're going to get sore muscles so to speak and then you'll quit uh and i would also point out that in these times right now if you're not agile what are you doing uh are you just are you just hunkering down and and waiting for success to come your way or you know, the, I I think you should also consider the, you know, the the alternatives, just like if you decide not to eat healthy and not to work out regularly, well, then what are you doing? Uh, you know, you're waiting for a heart attack,
3: so what are you doing? So, um no, so, so with, with that said, do you think the agility that we talk about, yes. are you able to, in an uh, organization, uh, are you able to work in an organization where you can actually Thought, think this through, and then predict the results, and then use that as a baseline, as if it was a project, manage, a project, a regular software development project, for that matter, and run with it. And before you get onto this, Mike, I'd like to also welcome uh, our guest from Forrester Research, who has joined us. And uh, good morning, sir. How are you? Uh, good morning, Mike. Uh, fine, thank you. And you? Very good, and this is Sanjog All, who's the show host, and I have got Mike Hugo's with me. Can you introduce yourself, please?
5: Uh, I'm Henry Pare from Freista, and I wrote a paper about business agility uh, five years ago that I updated uh, one year ago, and we have developed some new practices about agility aspects for companies, including agile governance.
3: Very good. And Mike, uh, this is a surprise guest I wanted to bring on this time because we feel what you have done in terms of your your thorough research, Forrester also has been working on frameworks and, and, and the very uh, aspect of business agility, and this would be a good conversation. So uh, while we wait on um, you know, what what Mike is going to be talking about, uh, and, and then we will move on to you uh, for for further comments from the Forrester's viewpoint point. Is that okay?
5: Yeah, perfect. Thank you. And thank you for inviting and sorry for the late uh, happening. But uh, exactly as you say, the surprise also for me.
3: Great. Now, Mike, coming back to the, the question itself, do you think the organization have been thinking through this whole concept of agility versus winging it and then see what happens?
4: Well, I, I think it's, it's uh, your point earlier about can you predict what happens? And here's, here's the answer. In the long run, you cannot predict anything, no matter how much you study it. In the short run, you actually have the ability to predict very accurately, but that means make your short runs short. And the essence of agility is to do things in short iterations. I can predict what's going to happen, say, over a 30-day period, but to claim that I can predict what's going to happen in IT and the business over a six-month or a 12 month period is delusional. No matter how much you study it, you can't. The world right now, and if anyone can, please let me know because I'd like to get together with them and start picking stocks and we're all going to get really rich, okay? So the, the essence, in my opinion, of agility is to break large projects down into iterations and I believe the iterations should typically be in 30 day cycles. And a lot of people, well that usually elicits the, the frowny face or the, the uh, expression which simply says, this gentleman is out of his mind. He doesn't know how difficult my problems are. And of course, we all have our own special problems, but I do say that most problems, as a matter of fact, I have yet to find one other than life itself, that you can't break down into 30-day increments and then begin begin iteratively moving toward your goal. It doesn't mean you're going to get to your goal in 30 days. But if you look out on the horizon, so to speak, and pick a certain mountain and say, that is my goal, and then you plot a course from where you are today to where you want to be, and then you begin breaking it up into 30-day increments where each 30 days provides something of tangible business value. You will both build business support and, as the world changes, you will have to change your course. You don't change your goal. You're still headed for that tall peak on the horizon. But, you know, if there's a flood or a forest fire, metaphorically
3: speaking, you have to change your path. So, now but Go ahead. Yeah, so Mike, uh, what you just mentioned here, Henry, based on what uh, Mike mentioned about doing things in 30-day increments, do you think you can turn an elephant even a little bit in 30 days and then to try to turn it a little differently in the next 30 days? Is that really possible when you're talking about large organizations, especially?
5: <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, the problem is that, uh, as you said, sometimes you have to move very fast, a, a big elephant, and you have not the time to take several paths of 30 days. So let me explain a little bit of, uh, why the agility has not been used uh, previously, or at least uh, as a, uh, with a method to develop agility within enterprise. And the first element is uh, because the agility was not defined. And, uh, and the first step is probably to define the agility which is required by the business. Uh, and, and we are making a, a difference between agility and speed. Uh, just to get a, a, a short story about that, with a car, uh, during a race, you can go faster and faster and faster, but every time you will turn, and you would like to turn perhaps a bit or change something in, in, in your car, the, the, the faster you will get, the uh, more difficulties you will get to, to, to turn. So agility is not speed. Agility is the, just um, accelerating, but at the same time keeping the, the capability to change car, to change the tire, to change and to keep the new ga- gasoline, or also to perhaps make the next term. So agility is really not speed, and it's not equivalent, I would say. So accelerating is not solving the problem. It's accelerating with the capability to change for the next time. In addition to that... To really define agility, we see two types of agilities, uh, that has been defined by two professors, but just to make that short, there is a recurrent type of agility, which is your capability to react to recurrent events. And so in that case, I agree with, with Mike, just uh, breaking down to accelerate and say now it's not anymore 30 days to get the, the next step, but I would like to get uh, that step in one week or two weeks. That's one type of agility. And the second type of agility is when you are predicting that there will be a big move uh, and you you know that uh, that big move or at least uh, some of the elements of that big move, otherwise you are unable to predict anything. And you want to prepare your company to be able to make something uh, to do uh, 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 that, meaning uh, it uh, makes perhaps additional investments, which will help you to turn faster when that uh, uh, event will happen. A good example, obviously, is uh, the price of oil or the price of raw material, which is changing so fast that you can say every time that uh, that is increasing and doubling compared to that price. Uh, then I I know that the, the market will react, and I need to prepare my company to. To do a move, and that move could be in one week, it could be in 30 days, it could be like your elephant, um, Uh that's a, something in a, which is a, uh, predictable, but not fully predictable, but it happens once time, uh, one, one time in, in, uh, in this story, but at least you want to, to be prepared for some of those.
3: Alright. Yeah, good comments here. Uh, so, by the way, listeners, uh, this is Henry Perret from Forrester, and he's based out of France. All right. So, so let's let's move on to Mike. Based on what Henry just mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, don't you think that when you are trying to, and I, it, it's counterintuitive for someone to think that, okay, let me accelerate. We even removed speed from the equation here, as, mm-hmm. as Henry mentioned. We let's accelerate and then try to change the parts of the car. Isn't that shooting ourselves in the foot and introducing voluntarily uh, unwarranted risk? Well,
4: one thing you can say is that agility, practiced incompetently, will lead to disaster much faster than the standard steady-as-she-goes, slow-as-molasses process. So yes, agility incompetently practiced is a very risky thing, and certainly not something that should just be tried on a lark. I do agree with him about it's not just speed. Yeah, speed is good, but speed without coordination, you know, is like accelerating the car and then being unable to turn as the as the road weaves back and forth. So, uh, speed plus coordination.
3: Yeah, and so now, with that said, Mike, if uh, suppose I ask my grandma who could be a very good driver in the suburban roads, and mm-hmm. and she drives without any tickets and without any accidents, and just have her go to Grand Prix. I'm talking about the people aspect, which could, again, be the biggest issue here. We have not prepared and we have not expected these people who otherwise have been driving a suburban car to run in Grand Prix when we talk about business agility. How do you handle something like that?
4: Well, I I think you should tell your grandmother not to sign up for the Grand Prix until she's had some lessons with a good coach, huh?
3: (laughs) Okay, and do you think that's possible to go for a few lessons and still get ready? Is there something to be said about the mindset and the very DNA of an individual or a group of people who otherwise have never signed up for that fast a pace and now you're forcing them to within the organization?
4: I don't think you can enforce people. I've certainly run projects where their senior management said, yeah, go work with Mike and be agile, and they didn't want to. And, um, so what do you do then? Well, what you do is you basically, as a good coach, you say, please sit on the bench and watch the players who do want to learn how to be good and then let me know when you want to play and I'll put you in. And I think that a lot of times people come to these situations and they already know five reasons why it won't work. And certainly every coach, every manager, every uh, executive has that problem of that negative attitude so agility should be started with people who want to do it, and then it's a mind frame that is all about how we can, and it is not about why we can't. And most of the time, many of us, myself included, are full of a mindset that is all about why we can't, and you just can't be agile and successful if mostly you're just looking for reasons why you can't do it. So uh, I'm not proposing Pollyanna-ish blind optimism either, and that's gets back to this whole notion of breaking things into smaller pieces. If you take a big problem and take a look at it, one of the hardest things to do first is to break it down into meaningful self-contained pieces. That is often the hardest thing for people to do. They look at the whole thing, they're intimidated by the size of the problem, And then they just simply sink into a defensive despair. So that's not good. Um, don't let me ramble on. Let's, let's let our other guest also weigh in on yeah, this.
3: Yeah. So, so before Mike, uh, you know, uh, Henry is going to be commenting. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And Henry, when we come back, would love to get your thoughts on this whole notion of trying to get a set of people who are not, they did not bind from the get go on joining the bandwagon, which is going to suddenly accelerate at a speed they'd never expected, and then they having to live with it. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back and explore.
1: Hi, this is Mary Fran Johnson, Editor-in-Chief of CIO Magazine. We're coming to Chicago with a special one-day event for technology executives. I'd like to invite Sanjog CIO listeners to join us on Tuesday, September eleventh at the Palmer House Hilton. Our speakers include some of Chicago's most impressive IT leaders from companies like McDonald's, The Tribune, and more. To apply to attend, go online to CIOperspectives.com forward slash talk or register toll-free at 1-800-883-9090.
0: We live in an instant-on world, mobile and connected. To compete, you want data center flexibility so you can adapt quickly to changing business needs while keeping information safe. Introducing Enterprise Cloud Compute Services, HP's solution for managing secure servers, storage, and networks delivered as a service. Pay only for what you need. Create order out of chaos. The instant-on enterprise is here. Are you ready? Start shaping your cloud at hp.com.
2: From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free 1-866-472-5790. Now back to the show. Here's Sunjo Gall.
3: Welcome back. So, Henry, uh, the, the issue here is that we are trying to bring agility, and you, you defined it very well where you said it's not speed, it's actually acceleration. With whatever changes that you bring about, one of the biggest thing about adoption is the people who are going to be left holding the bag and or will be asked to do things differently, they may not have signed up for it when they originally joined or all along during this journey. So this comes as a surprise. Not everybody's on board. And when Mike mentioned, the best thing he would do is to put them on and have them watch how acceleration happens and done by others who are on board. Question would come, what about their specific productivity? Are they going to sit on bench and do things differently from the rest of the organization? And can you have something like a half pregnant where half of the organization is accelerating, the other half is not, and you can still achieve agility?
5: Uh, I don't think so. But uh, at the same time, we must, we should recognize that, unfortunately, the same way that we did some progress on quality and productivity at the same time by using some training and using some Six Sigma practices, we have not the same type of methodology to help to develop the agility. And no one classroom uh, in the business school or in the IT school uh, was learning uh, and teaching people how to uh, bring that agility live. So we have to discover and develop that sort of methodology which will, then we will be able to teach people how to bring more agility. And that comes also from the fact that we should bring some incentives and some objectives about agility in the future. I really believe that the human being is probably the most agile person if you put him in the right context. And the problem is we have not built that context for the moment because we emphasize too much on just productivity and or quality aspects. Now we should bring more about what is the the compromise between uh, agility and risk. What are the risks that you are taking by not being agile or, at the contrary, by being too much agile? That's a dilemma. And so that means that we should train them how to make that, that choice in their brain And that's not an easy task. I agree with with Mike.
3: So, Mike, when you go about uh, talking about this um, agility mantra, Mm -hmm. and you're talking about the competitive pressures that exist, and uh, you are trying to get this agility to bring about unprecedented benefits, does it really bring or build a better mousetrap for organizations, or does it give you a quantum leap, which we will look back and say, wow, this is great, positive ROI?
4: Well, I would say that people have to be very careful when when you start to talk about quantum leaps, because that often induces foolish behavior. I would also say that in business, certainly any finance person understands the power of compound interest. And compound interest is as boring as watching paint dry. Compound interest is talking about making an extra two to four percent month after month. And guess what? An extra two to four percent, and if you I I have a phrase that I call the agility dividend, which is that agile companies, one of the ways they can see that their agility is really working, is that they should be making two to four percent better gross margin on their sales than their industry peers and i have personally worked in and with companies and what you start to say is number 1 yeah we can make an extra 2 to 4% yes there's ways we can do that that's not a quantum leap and number 2 any finance guy will tell you that over time wow if you're making an extra 2 to 4% year after year you will pull way ahead of your competition so that that's that's my answer to that one
3: so, uh, Henry, based on what Mike just said, do you think agility brings you compound interest or it has the potential to get a quantum leap?
5: <laughs> Sorry. Again, I am French, so I do not know the, the difference between quantum leap and the, and the uh, compound interest. So I have some difficulties to explain a, a, about that. But what I can explain
3: uh, is that uh,
5: so See, be, let easy. me let me
3: rephrase rephrase yeah. the question for you. So basically, yeah, when please. when you try to invest in something, sometimes you can get hundred percent return. Another is mm-hmm. that you get two or three percent return, but that is compounded from one year to the other. And so, do we really need agility to get compound interest? Because that's what the organizations have been doing all along without even agility. That's the question I have for you.
5: So. I see the a difference between the two agilities that I was talking about previously and that probably I would say that the, the, the range agility because that's the name that the the uh, so two professors which worked on, on, on who worked on, on that domain uh, named that that's not a white name but uh, let's say that the so range agility i would say is a compound type of, of interest is probably a wide way to, to to provide value in the the type of uh, agility when you are the first, I would say, on the market to answer to a barrel price of oil at $150. And now I would predict that uh, it would be $300. I do not know when exactly, but if the company is prepared to deliver, I don't know, cars, which will answer to the market demand at that time, faster than, that, faster than all the other uh, uh, providers on, on, on the market. And then you are taking, I don't know, 5 or 10% market share Compared to the others, while all the others will be increases, I would have that as quantum leap. But again, you are treating the two agility differently with a very different return on investment and different uh, value. Now,
4: Mike, do you think, well, 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 uh, Jack, maybe if I could also clarify a little bit, I'm, you know, it isn't as if you cannot move quickly and, and reap large benefits in a single well planned swoop. Of course you can. But that is often the way that people think that's where they get speed and quantum leaps and all of these magnificent ideas all jumbled up. And in the end, they become either intimidated or they charge blindly into it. In both cases, you're not going to be successful. And the thing with the agility dividend of a continuously 2 to 4% better margins, most companies today and And Henry said this earlier, you know, with with the changes that are going on right now, the market sets the price for everything. When was the last time you saw a a list of prices that was more than, what, you know, a month old? People don't publish catalogs really that much anymore and put the prices in there because certainly if you're a wholesale distributor of just about anything, the prices vary day-to-day. They depend on a bunch of different factors, so... The market tends to send the price of everything, and there are markets in all different industries. When your company in a given industry can start to consistently do things, which is make small savings and make small improvements continuously as conditions change, it will show up as you are making a better return than your market peers. In, in the in the finance world, that's known as earning alpha. And again, it's an extra two to four percent. On your ability to pick financial instruments that just work out better. Uh, hard to do. Easy to talk about, hard to do. So, I do think that companies are gonna have to learn about agility because the old notion of industrial efficiency, which we are all still pretty much using, which was the miracle of the 20th century, was this continuous assembly line of high volume stuff. Those days are over. Those days are over. We now live in a world where you can't really predict future costs. It's very hard to predict future demand. Life cycle of a product service. Monics business is measured in months, not in years. So everything is changing all the time. So the, the notion that you're going to get everything organized just so and then run that assembly line over and over without change night and day and churn out your products and somehow make economies of scale and that's the way you'll be successful That's only part of the equation now. It's not the way that you're going to be a market leader anymore.
3: Now, Henry, in your world, do you think uh, when you have seen across organizations, if there are people who are kind of leading this effort or they're making the most noise that we should bring agility in the organization and we could do this, that, and the other – are they the one who are actually also ready to take accountability and responsibility of the outcome, or they are just just you know noise makers and are just trying to be stakeholders?
5: Um, I have seen a lot of CEOs
3: asking for more agility.
5: Unfortunately, when uh, they talk about agility, they never define agility, and then the so, so are just interpreting agility in the way they are thinking obviously the agility for supply chain is different from so the agility for marketing where they are facing exactly as Mike said about changing uh, customers' behavior, changing the condition into supply chain that's more about raw material and, uh, and uh, different type of changes that they are facing as well. So the agility will be interpreted differently by the different uh, part of, uh, of uh, the organization. Unfortunately and that at the end that brings I would say, a scattered uh, approach for GDT, and that's not bringing the best value for companies in that case. I really think that the the best approach is uh, to force the CEO to focus more about what does that mean, GDT, for the company. Sometimes it could be a combination of different things that I talked about previously, but at least defining what type of GDT would make the most sense to position the company in the best place for the next move, and that's uh, where we, we, we are seeing some movement. Actually, And uh, and we are seeing a lot of demand, uh, particularly for CIO, to bring, okay, what is the role of CIO in bringing that agility? And it's not only just technology. It should be the combination of process, organization, technology, governance, training, skills, collaboration, uh, incentives, objectives. I talked about those incentives and objectives because we should bring also personal uh, uh, incentives to make people, okay, if you're able to change quickly, we give you some money about about that. Because I really think, uh, I am very positive about human being, I really think that human being is probably the best machine to change, and far better than any robot.
3: Let's take a quick break, listeners. When we come back, Mike, I'd like to pick on what uh, Henry just mentioned. He says... CEOs typically would say, I would like to see some agility, and then in many cases, it is left for the lieutenants to interpret it and who may interpret it differently. That's kind of dangerous for an organization to be working in or introducing agility or even thinking about agility. What are the best practices that you've seen have yielded better results and more predictable results when in terms of introducing agility in an organization? Please stay tuned. We'll be right back.
0: We live in an instant-on world, mobile and connected. To compete, you want data center flexibility so you can adapt quickly to changing business needs while keeping information safe. Introducing Enterprise Cloud Compute Services, HP's solution for managing secure servers, storage, and networks delivered as a service. Pay only for what you need. Create order out of chaos. The instant-on enterprise is here. Are you ready? Start shaping your cloud at hp.com.
1: Hi, this is Mary Fran Johnson, Editor-in-Chief of CIO Magazine. We're coming to Chicago with a special one-day event for technology executives. I'd like to invite Sanjog CIO listeners to join us on Tuesday, September 11, at the Palmer House Hilton. Our speakers include some of Chicago's most impressive IT leaders from companies like McDonald's, The Tribune, and more. To apply to attend, go online to cioperspectives.com forward slash talk or register toll-free at 1-800-883-9090.
2: You are listening to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free 1-866-472-5790. Now back to the show, here's Sanjo Gall.
3: Welcome back. So, Mike we are talking about a CEO coming back from a conference or are talking to their golf buddies, mm-hmm. learn about this buzzword, and then they say to their team, "Go figure it out." And then they go about misinterpreting or rightfully interpreting, but different interpretations within the same team. God bless that organization.
4: Hmm. Yes. Yes. I now in the in the CEO's defense, I don't know of any CEOs who are not under a certain significant amount of pressure right now because. The board is looking to them to continue making profits. And especially in the last several years, profits were typically extracted by skinnying down the headcount in your organization, squeezing suppliers, if you're large enough, you buy enough bulk, squeezing suppliers to get, you know, a couple of percentage points lower prices doing things like delaying investments in everything from plant to new IT equipment. And that tactic has certainly, I would say, over the last several years, probably run its course. And now CEOs are looking at how do I grow the business? You know, you can't just save your way to greatness. So agility is a good idea because agility is also a way to manage your risk. Agility is... Doing things where you look at it, you look at where you want to go. You don't keep changing where you want to go. But then how you get there from where you are that does keep changing as the world unfolds. So that's why you want a smaller piece. You make it 45 days, or you want to make it 28 days. But the point is break it into smaller because you can realistically predict what's going to happen in 30. 30- and it also manages the scope you do not launch into massive undertakings the larger the undertaking done all at once the greater the risk a large undertaking broken into smaller self-contained pieces where each piece delivers value and you go from piece to piece in other words in the football analogy would be make your down you know make your ten yards you can either throw the ball and hope that the long bomb pass gets caught or you can go for make your first down every time so I would say that that's where the CEO is and he's looking to if the CIO is gonna really be an important person the CIO has to be part of how we can and not a list of why we can't and that's where you also have to to I would put it this way agility requires trust agility means you will do things in a different way And that means those people doing things in a different way will expose themselves to criticism, which can become very unfair. There is always a problem in business of someone saying, let's be innovative, and then a few people actually going and being innovative. And then ironically, of course, if anything goes wrong, they get blamed for it. So without trust, there will not be any agility.
3: So, Henry, do you think, taking uh, Mike's comments here, an organization where CEO and the lieutenants, which could mean CIO, CFO, everybody from executive management cabinet, have a tremendous amount of trust among each other, and that's why they have had a business which has been gradually and but surely growing in the positive direction. Now comes this phenomenon of agility with the same trust the CEO delegates the execution of bringing about agility in an organization, with trust being there, but capability may not be there, or people are not sure of that of that capability. Do you think that should be done by just those four or five people in a closed door, or you should get somebody from outside who can bring some more knowledge, expertise, and wisdom in this area?
5: Um, I think, as I say previously, I think that's a the uh, first element that the CEO should consider is to define agility for the company, including also the difference of agilities between the different parts of the companies as well and Once that has been defined, uh, uh, moving to achieve some objectives about that uh, uh, that agility uh, dimension uh, should bring several of those signals all together to de- to define what will be the compromise, meaning today I would say increasing the agility will necessarily decrease the productivity aspect because you will invest more money than what you expect to bring that agility, whatever agility we talked about. Or it could decrease also the quality. And again, we have not a methodology today to increase three of those dimensions at the same time. But we will see more and more of those, more and more best practices to to build those. And uh, we introduce at a uh, agile uh, governance, we introduce also key agility indicators. As a new way to to do that, but we have a long, long journey to develop all of those practices. I agree with Mike, perhaps sometimes it could be better to decrease the the chunk of of, uh, delivery, for example. That's typically what we use in uh, agile development. But we have also several other best practices to improve that that GDP, but the trust between the different seek because the compromise that we will get, meaning between the GDP and risks, or between uh, agility without decreasing quality or, or productivity will require that trust between the different CXLs to really get in the right direction. Why? Because those agility metrics, I expect to see those in personal incentives in the future, but obviously that, that will be mitigated by other objectives, that all personal objectives we will get which will include probably also objectives about quality aspect and objectives about the productivity aspect. So that compromise between these three dimensions should be reflected in every sometimes every objective at every level of uh, of the organization. And that's where we have not done that job uh, yet in in companies to deliver that (laughs) right.
3: Mike, when we have this this initiative that has been um, at least introduced in the organization, there are naysayers who could be doing it because of inertia and or other people who are raising objections. Which would be the type of objections that you feel would be legitimate and the executive management or the stakeholders or the ones who are holding the torch for agility should actually listen to before they charge ahead?
4: Well. There's always legitimate objections, and there's a there's a problem in business also where people are afraid to speak up, and everyone is expected to quote be a team player, and the boss says charge ahead, so people do that, and things don't work out, and then it turns into a blame game. Um, I I like to say that first of all, if you don't need to be agile, then why do it? So make sure that you need to do if you have a business model that is just chugging along turning out predictable profits pretty much you know giving you what you're expecting then just stick with it there is no need to be agile if on the other hand you feel that your competitors are starting to eat your lunch that your products are not keeping up with the way the market is evolving that you seem to be unable to break into new markets and your existing markets are shrinking, then those are reasons to be agile. So once that happens, I, I really believe that trust is fostered by open atmosphere and uh, transparency. So, again, if the boss wants to be agile, the boss should set the example, first of all, by being pretty frank about what's going on and then listening Um I like the scenes from Star Trek where, you know, um, Captain Picard will have everybody sitting around the the boardroom table in the Starship Enterprise, and they'll discuss plans, and everyone is invited to speak up, and everyone speaks their mind, and often a consensus emerges, and then, of course, if there is no consensus, that is the captain's place to make the final call. But I do think that people will have issues about, well, how are we going to do this and how are we going to do that, and talk it out. If you approach things with an attitude of how we can instead of a defensive why we can't, often you will find the answer, and often it will be simpler than you think if people can speak openly and frankly.
3: Henry, do you think there are any obvious dark sides to business agility or costs or, or risks associated with it if you... Which are not, if managed properly and or if they are not accounted for properly, we may have organizations who should not be going towards this agility mantra or following this mantra. They start going in there and they will eventually lose. Uh,
5: The agility concern has been raised during the the, the 90s for the first time. If I remember well, the two professors that I was talking about previously from INSEAD and London Business School were bringing that that, uh, best practice, I would say, of defining the two agilities at that time. Then, uh, you let PACA, and then IBM talked about agility and introduced also key agility indicators. They, they, they did some work about, about that. But nothing really happened in the companies. But now it's, it's a raising at such level that every CEO, every CIO is talking about that. But there is a really a, 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 it's not anymore just a buzzword. We should act about, about that. And we see some movement to try to, to bring a more uh, – best practices around those again we think that, uh, that there will be more and more best practices developed about that I agree with, with Mike that uh, trust is a, uh, one aspect the fact that uh, the, 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 the captain or uh, the CEO should say what should we do about agility what type of agility what I am predicting about uh, the type of changes I see in my business uh, that's part of sharing some of the ideas about not just executing the strategy, but just thinking about what is coming in, the, in our marketplace. What are the products which will change the marketplace? What are the, the, the type of behaviors that customers are adopting now which are changing our marketplace? That's all of those things which are, are, uh, should be discussed. That's more for the time type of agility that I was talking about for the range type of agility that's more the CEO who is more in charge of the, so the operational side uh, so there are different concerns, they have probably different concerns and addressing the two types of agility is also differently in terms of adopting those best practices that's not the same best practices which are um, available for those two type of agility um, but we see more and more of those different roles within the organization saying we should do something about that. We should invest. We should understand better uh, what are the best practices, what are uh, the other customers uh, which have done. What we have done five years ago is a sort of studies in some market uh, to understand why some uh, companies were working better and including also uh, adding um, their manufacturing uh, still in Europe, for example. That's the case for Zara. And, uh, and, and Nike, uh, the CFO of Nike in, in Europe, said we are benchmarking against Zara because we are build, manufacturing our uh, choose product in, in China. And unfortunately, the nine weeks that uh, we have a tra- a transportation by boat is something that we cannot shorten. And in, in that case, Zara has a very, very special approach to detect faster what are the new um uh, 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 the, the new behavior of customers, and then they are producing in mass, but directly in, in Spain, and they will not be able to do that if they would produce in in China because of the nine months, nine weeks of of transportation. That's exactly a problem of of typical uh agility. So you can build a complete business just based on the fact that you are finding another compromise between agility cost and and uh, uh, quality aspect. And we are seeing, including also in business which are very well established, new businesses which are adopting because they are benefiting from understanding what the agility can bring a new business model.
3: Now, let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And Mike would love to have you inventory some of the, not negative aspects, perhaps some of the costs, as the topic also says, cost of business agility, to Mm -hmm. at least make sure that what all are items which could, you know, uh, fall in the cost component and 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 risk component of introducing business agility, so that we can truly see what the whole equation looks like. How positive can this be, and what all could cause bring in the negative element and undermine the overall positivity of the initiative? Please stay tuned. We'll be right
0: back. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. We live in an instant-on world, mobile and connected. To compete, you want data center flexibility so you can adapt quickly to changing business needs while keeping information safe. Introducing Enterprise Cloud Compute Services, HP's solution for managing secure servers, storage, and networks, delivered as a service. Pay only for what you need. Create order out of chaos. The instant-on enterprise is here. Are you ready? Start shaping your cloud at hp.com.
1: Hi, this is Mary Fran Johnson, Editor-in-Chief of CIO Magazine. We're coming to Chicago with a special one-day event for technology executives. I'd like to invite Sanjog CIO listeners to join us on Tuesday, September 11, at the Palmer House Hilton. Our speakers include some of Chicago's most impressive IT leaders from companies like McDonald's, The Tribune, and more. To apply to attend, go online to cioperspectives.com forward slash talk or register toll-free at 1-800-883-9090.
2: You are listening to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free 1-866-472-5790. Now back to the show, here's Sunjo Ghal.
3: Welcome back. So costs, dark side, risks, all the negative, morbid thoughts that you can bring to the table, Mike for people to recognize that this is not all utopia
4: Mm-hmm. I, I think the first thing is on the cost that we tend to think that we need a lot of new gear and a lot of new hardware and software especially it people who are always looking for the magic new apps that is going to do something and it reminds me of people who are getting ready to you know go camping or something, they they roll out a huge SUV and then they stuff it full of all sorts of equipment and before they know it, they never quite make it to the campsite because the car breaks down or God knows what. So, I would say some of the costs come in unnecessary, you know, there is, agility is a frame of mind first and foremost and there is no particular Hardware or software or any other gear that you necessarily need. Another thing is you do have to have training. It's just like if you decide to work out regularly, you're probably better off at first working with a coach just so you know what are the right exercises and what are going to give you the results you're looking for. There is technique. Agility is not just running and gunning. As a basketball coach once told me. And in every kind of game, and let's use basketball as an analogy, in every game there are a set of basic moves. You know, in, in basketball it is, it's dribbling, guarding, passing, shooting, jumping. There's, in every game there's maybe only five or six basic moves. Now, someone like Michael Jordan certainly knew how to put those moves together in an amazing way, but it was still the same set of moves. So, you need to make sure that you understand the moves in the game and you get the right kind of training before you start otherwise the costs are going to be where the boss says charge ahead everyone is afraid to speak up so everyone charges ahead but instead as things start to go wrong people start to blame each other and it becomes a devastating and demoralizing experience for everyone i think a lot of people have been through these cycles As the corporate world starts to, you know, whether it's total quality management or innovation or agility, if there isn't honest conversation and transparency of results and shared risk-taking, then it's not going to work and it will start to be very dysfunctional.
3: All right. So, Henry, when you look at this, if I were to put a formula in front of you, which could be the sum of all incremental growth that you can get in profits, along with any savings that you can get in terms of uh, bottom line costs, and then subtract the cost of disruption caused by this changeover or or, or, uh, overall conversion of or transformation of that organization to become uh, agile, and then the cost of negativity among all the people who are not agreeing with this in the first place, but because of job security, they just tagged along. What would you change in this formula? Is there anything more which I forgot about positive side, or I should add something more on the negative side, that is the cost side, for us to know what is going to be the ultimate outcome?
5: No, I think that uh, you have to two dimensions, which are uh, cost and benefits. But at Forrester, we are using total economic impact, That means that on top of cost and benefit, we're adding a third dimension, which is very well known by financial people about options, about providing flexibility for the next uh, investment. So that's the the flexibility side. So for the time agility that I was talking about, then we should consider that third dimension uh, on top of that. And that brings some money it's based on the, on the uh, 98 uh, Nobel Prize of Economy who is an, uh, 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 an American guy. and he said if you are able to make an investment, but if you are able to move that investment to another uh, investment which is providing a, a better uh, ratio, that's an option. And you should have that option to be able to move from one to another. That's exactly the, 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 the use of option. And the, uh, the time agility should consider that, that uh, notion of, of uh, option. You can raise a sort of where I should bring some new marketplace. In, in the case, I would invest more on, uh, and bet some money on that and that and that, which will bring me faster than all the others, and uh, I will take some, some uh, market share. So that's a, a sort of additional benefit, if I can say that. And then there is a, a, a transverse dimension that we should consider either on cost, on benefit, and also on, on the flexibility, which is what are the risks that I am taking by, by making the agile investment or investment about agility. So. Just to summarize, for range agility, I'm benefiting from uh, uh, about the benefits about market share and all that sort of thing. In the case of the time agility, and uh, sorry, uh, I forgot the risk aspect, but uh, we should consider also to decrease risks by improving and being more agile uh, with a recurrent type of uh, of event. And in the case of time agility, that's more impacting the dimension of uh, the uh, flexible dimension that I was talking about. So it's a little bit complex to explain on other phone Sorry about that. But uh, take a look at PEI on our website, forester.com, and you will see some background uh, and baseline information about those four dimensions that we should consider.
3: All right, so uh, one question for each of you when we are talking about technologies, I mean everybody thinks that they are done tweaking the processes, technology is the where innovation can happen, and that could become one of the primary factors which could bring about business agility. Do you think it is a true statement? this is for you, Mike, and secondly, if yes, then which all areas can actually technology impact business agility in a positive fashion, and where all can it actually be a detriment? and just 30 to 45 seconds each please
4: all right i i think the cloud computing is a major foundation of business agility. It allows you to deploy quickly. It allows you to avoid large upfront capital investments. You can check out new opportunities. If they grow, then you can consider bringing it in house or just expanding it in the cloud. So learn to use hybrid cloud technology where you mesh cloud components with your in house systems. That is absolutely critical. And I wrote a book recently actually 2 years ago called business in the cloud what every business needs to know about cloud computing and shameless last plug i wrote another book in 2009 called business agility sustainable prosperity in a relentlessly competitive world and i i go into some depth in both of those books about how to be agile in business and it
3: great and uh, henry 30 seconds
5: 30, 30 seconds. First, I like very much, Mike, what you said, and I introduced the concept of sustainable business agility. So, very good book. I, I expect to see your book. So, I come back to, to your point. Uh, that, uh, what I would say about, about that is uh, uh, we should probably consider better the agility aspect, and, uh, and I think that uh, this is a huge work that we have to do uh, for the next decade.
3: All right, on behalf of the show and our listeners, thank you so much, Mike and Henry. I hope uh, the listeners will get a lot of uh, nuggets out of this conversation because of course, everybody wants to go agile, and there is a definite value on the surface for business agility what it can bring in terms of sustainable growth and profitability. But the journeys where uh, the challenge could come. So keep working, keep doing the good work, and thank you, all of you, uh, for your input. Thanks, well, thanks, Mike and Henry, please. And uh, as far as, uh, uh, you know, any questions, listeners, please send us to views at ciotalkradio.com. That is views at ciotalkradio.com. Thank you again for listening to CIO Talk Radio. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless.
2: Thank you for tuning in to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Join Sunjogal next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific for another hour of CIO Talk Radio.
3: CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by Citrix
2: offering go to assist remote support made easy